0: Decycle. Decycle. I don't know if that's a word. I just it just came
1: I love it. (laughs) I love it. Listen, a word doesn't have to be co signed by Webster At al you know for us to identify it as as something that has utility so we're gonna de-cycle here I love this
0: yes (laughs) I actually like the fact that you said that you know we can create our own words and we can create our own meaning to things but yeah it's essentially kind of looking at what you've done and acknowledging and understanding that at any point you can do something different and if you can do it differently once then you can do it again and again and again and again. And you just continue to decycle as we have just
1: <laughs> come up with this idea. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. Hello, beautiful soul. Welcome to Break the Cycle with Dr. Marielle, a podcast where I invite in some of my favorite healers from across the world. To talk about how we shift from intergenerational trauma to intergenerational abundance. I'm your host and holistic psychologist, Dr. Marielle Bouquet. Join me and my fellow healers as we break the cycle. I welcome you to this episode featuring my dear friend, registered marriage and family therapist and integrative nutrition health coach who's made it her mission to help people redefine the ways in which they see their health and engage with their health through holistic methods, Maria Sosa. I think you're going to really enjoy and appreciate some of the perspectives that Maria brings into this concept of mind-body And also the ways in which intergenerational modeling can be a part of how we associate with ourselves and with others. Now, before we get started, it's really important for you to remember that whenever you're engaging in any trauma-based content, that it's going to be important for you to anchor yourself on the breath. So right here, right now, find your breath and deepen it just a bit if you're able and if you're willing. Your breath is your guide. So allow it to center you as you listen and stay tuned to the end of this episode for a bonus sound bath meditation. Now, without further ado, here's Maria. Hi, Maria.
0: Hi, Dr. Mario. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for joining me, for being in conversation with me.
0: Of course. Thank you for having me.
1: Yes, it's it's such a pleasure. And I'm really excited to actually invite Folks, into a conversation with you about some of the ways in which I think both you and I think about mind body connection in very similar ways. We engage in holistic based practices. And then there's also, you know, a unique angle that you bring to the work that I also want to get into. But first, if you could help us with just an understanding, really from your viewpoint, of what holistic wellness practices are and why you think mind body as an approach to therapeutic work is essential.
0: Yes, that's interesting because I've been thinking about that lately and thinking how mainstream the word holistic has become. And yet there's a certain look to it because it's very, you know, there's like crystals and it's a, (laughs) which I love, but There's very much this feel to it, right? Of Such an, a, an alternative approach as it not being mainstream as it tarot cards or any of these things that are outside the realm of quote-unquote Western medicine. But for me, the holistic approach just means understanding that we exist in context to just about everything. So we exist. In context to our relationships, to our work, to our families, to our bodies, to our relationship with food, to our relationship with exercise. And so, holistic for me just is anything that has an impact on our well being, on the way that we view the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and just layers. I think if I could put a, a name to it all, just all the layers that we have and that exist within and around us.
1: Yes. How beautifully stated. Thank you for that. And I know that with every term that we define in the wellness space, of course, there's going to be variations of how we identify within the term itself as as healers, right? So Um, you know, my holistic practice might look different than your holistic practice than the next person's holistic practice. And that goes for all types of approaches that we have in this wellness space. So I can appreciate your take on the word and on the practice itself and in connection to, you know, just globally, what we see as holistic.
0: Yes. And I love that you said that because it's very personal. So whatever works for you, that's great. Keep doing that. And if, you know, that doesn't work for the next person, then incorporate it and make it your own. I think that's the most important part of it all as well. Kind of understanding that it's very individual, that it isn't a cookie cutter and that we can't apply the same standards or the same expectations of health and wellness for everybody.
1: Yes, because we all exist in different bodies, and we all exist within different stories, within different histories, and of course, you know, this being a podcast centered on the context of intergenerational trauma, we all exist in different lineages, right? And so, it's it's important for the individual perspective to be taken into account when it comes to holistic methods and approaches that you know we engage in within all spaces that are healing spaces right
0: definitely most
1: definitely you know i like to just piggyback off a word that I heard you use a couple of times as you were defining the holistic methodology that you employ in your work which was relationships which mm. is very apropos right <laughs> to <laughs> to you being a marriage and family therapist right Mm -hmm. So why relationships? Why bring that into the mix when it comes to holistic practice? Because I think that that's probably one angle and one perspective that we may be missing in the grand scheme of things. I don't think we say relationship as much when it comes to holistic wellness. So why that word?
0: Yeah. So I think we always focus on the I or what do we need to do individually, but we don't exist just as individuals. We exist in relationships. And when we think about the things that often bring us the most stress or the most pain, it's relationships, it's relationships to our family members, those romantic relationships, those friendships. I think for me, those are the most interesting because there's just so much there. And I love it. I genuinely love the idea of looking at the way we relate to, to others and how we exist in relationships. And I know that often we think about just those romantic relationships, but we also have a relationship with ourselves. And so that's just, I don't know. I think studying as a marriage and family therapist, it kind of there was a paradigm shift from thinking about the individual and thinking about the individual within a system and within the context of relationships. And Problems not being within the person, but in the problem itself or in the way that we relate to the problem or in the way that we interact within our relationships. So I think that's how my brain works as, as a whole. And that's how I try to approach pretty much everything. So relationships, it's my jam. I love relationships.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I can appreciate that for sure. You know, I learned through my own training in family therapy that when a person is identified as the quote unquote identified patient or the person that, you know, in family therapy, everybody's coming in for because, you know, they are causing a disruption, of some sort, that typically that person is a representation of what is actually diseased within the entire family unit, that the person is just the identified symptom, but that the person isn't necessarily what is wrong with the family, but where the family needs to look for healing. Most definitely.
0: Yeah. And it's really easy to pinpoint that. And it's really easy to come into the therapy and be like, fix this person because this is what's creating the problem. And then when you get down to it, you realize, well, you know, they're just being honest or projecting some of the issues that are, they're happening. They're a representation of what's happening within the family system, or they're breaking some sort of rule that has been established for the family, or they're saying things a little bit different than it has been established. And so they're, they're viewed as the problem, but I think that they're actually, the gift in the middle of it all because it's providing such relevant information about the system and the family.
1: The gift, yes. I remember making a TikTok a couple weeks ago. I used one of the TikTok audios, you know, that's just kind of out there.
0: I love when you do that, by the way. You're so creative.
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Thank you. I really get into my creative mind on these platforms, especially on TikTok. I, I find it to be fun way to engage the content. So thank you for that. Yes. But the, the actual audio said you are not the scapegoat. You were not, you know, what was wrong in your family. You're the golden child. And it's a way to really reverse that narrative that we tend to see so typically within family therapy where a person would, you know, be the identified person that people are coming in to quote unquote fix right and I love how you're saying you know that there's a gift I thought about the word you know solution like the solution lies in what that person is bringing it's it's in listening to that person and listening to their expression of what they're actually uh, unearthing for the entire family unit that they may be able to find a lot of worthwhile solutions and 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 that in and of itself Mm,
0: that's such a good word
1: solutions yeah
0: The unearthing, actually, solutions, yes, because my brain thinks about solutions all the time, but unearthing is just so visible and so visual to me and kind of like gets to that gut feeling of unearthing the things that have been buried because, you know, we've needed to avoid this story or we needed to create a narrative where this wasn't talked about. And once you start to unearth when, you know, the quote unquote problem child or the person responsible for all the dysfunction starts to unearth that, that's when things get really interesting. So I love that word.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm, Love that too. Yeah. Gift unearthing. I think we're getting at something here.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't don't know what yet, but it sounds good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like to talk about the other side of this, right? When a person isn't really identifying as the golden child or identifying as someone who is honoring themselves. But on the other side of the continuum, which I know you talk a lot about in your work, which is the concept of self-betrayal or betraying yourself because you're not honoring how you are indeed a gift.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm wondering if you could take us through, you know, just your, your concept of self-betrayal and really what that is, because I know it's a much bigger term than we give credit.
0: Yeah. So I think another word that comes with self-betrayal is just this idea of honoring and respect for you as a human who has needs and wants and has a right to exist, essentially, as we are. And so when we engage in self-betrayal, it's kind of denying that existence and diminishing the needs, minimizing the wants so much so that you're kind of erasing yourself and turning your back on yourself. So it just feels kind of a... And I know that we also talk about betrayal often in terms of that romantic relationship, right? Disloyalty or that infidelity, but it's very much... It starts within us, I think, this idea of turning our back against ourselves. And it comes very easily and it can come from such a young age and, you know, our learning, whether we are told that we're allowed to voice, whether we're told that we're allowed to have an opinion or preferences, or if that's kind of shut down and you're told to just keep your mouth shut and not talk about this, or stop crying, stop being a baby. There's so many messages that we get from such a young age that can either nurture that voice where we honor ourselves or can lead to that self-betrayal and makes it really easy for us to shut ourselves down and turn our back against ourselves.
1: Mm. Wow. Yeah, I, I think the word betrayal absolutely tends to be more utilized within society as betrayal towards another than that self-betrayal piece that you're talking about. And yes, I can really appreciate the ways in which you bring it back into modeled behavior. Where do we learn this? Where do we learn how to betray ourselves? What indeed was modeled? Maybe you can help us even with some examples of what can be modeled or what behavior is apparent let's say, exhibits that, you know, are self, self-betraying themselves that a kid would sponge up and, and then take on as their own? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess if I can of relate to personal experience and thinking back to my youth and certain things that happen, and at least within, you know, the Latin culture, there's very much this sense of respect and authority and not talking back or not talking to elders in a way that is disrespectful. And so while I can understand this sense of hierarchy within the Latin culture, it very much is a self-betraying culture from its origins because it. Naturally says you are a child. You don't know anything. Your parents know more than you. And so we thinking back to my childhood, there was I had a lot of issues with food and eating. And there I was quote unquote picky for the foods that I did not want to eat. And so I remember sitting at the table with a belt because My parents were like, well, if you're not going to eat, you know, like here's the belt and here's what's going to happen. And at no point were my parents thinking, and this is again, not because they were bad people, this is how they were raised. And that's what they probably thought was best for me. But at no point was there a thought of maybe she doesn't like this food for a reason. And maybe this is information about. What feels good for her body? Or maybe there's different kinds of foods that she may like more. And why don't we even ask her what she wants to eat or or what is pleasurable for her? Or maybe she's full. And why don't we listen to her body telling her that she is full, right? There's this arbitrary rule that says, this is right because I am an adult and I know what is best for you child who is providing me boundless valuable information and I'm discarding it because I am an adult and so just thinking about that I know that that's something that has had an impact on my relationship with food and as an adult I've been through numerous diets and diet culture and having been told, you're not hungry, go drink some water. You're not hungry, go eat a salad. And through unlearning and relearning to listen to my body and the wisdom of it, it's been, I am thirsty and I'm also hungry and I want to eat something regardless whether it's outside my window of eating, regardless if it's, you know, there's so many rules around food, but, you know, something as simple as that. Wow. I know that starts from such a young age.
1: Hmm. Wow. Such a powerful example. And thank you for honoring us with that piece of your story.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course.
1: Something that you said struck me so much, which is The word discard, using words that I'm like picking, I'm like discard relationships with discard (laughs) really (laughs) stuck Mm -hmm. out in your story. And it stuck out because it it brought me back into that place of self-betrayal, right? Like if you were taught that the natural, instinctual, intuitive data that you're getting from your body is not worth listening to, Mm -hmm. then and instead it's it's something to discard, then that's something that you're gonna continue to do, right? As a form of self betrayal, right? The betrayal happening, you know, from parent to child. I am not honoring your body and, and what and the data that it's providing us. And then that being the internalized message that this this data is not worthwhile holding on to. I shall discard it. Yes. That being such a powerful, you know, moment in in that intergenerational transmission of of models of socializing, which is a part of what we know is how we transmit these these messages forwards or these behaviors of ways of being forward. It's also by the modeling, not just you know the the genetic pieces. And so I, I think that that's just so such a powerful point. Now, discarding as An adult human, right? Like tell us a bit about what that could look like as far as behaviors for somebody. So people that are listening can know, oh yeah, that that's something that sounds familiar.
0: Mm -hmm. So another thing that I was really great at as well was discarding emotions or negative emotions. So Anything along the spectrum of sadness or anything along the spectrum of just discomfort, it was discarded rather than listened to. It was, you shouldn't feel this way. Smile, move on, do something that will make you feel better. And, you know, people have it so much worse than you do. So why are you complaining? Why are you making a big deal out of this? discard this sadness, discard this discomfort that you're feeling and move along. And I think that we all do that to some degree. One, because we don't want to feel the discomfort. So I think that it's not only a message that we get from our society or from our culture, it's genuinely something that we don't want to experience. And yet, there is so much wisdom within that. What does it mean? What is the sadness trying to communicate? What does it tell us about what is important to us? What does it want to speak? Essentially, right? And a lot of the times we find that that means there's something going on that we're not paying attention to. So if you're feeling really sad about something that happened in your relationship and you're just discarding it because it's not really that big a deal. It's providing information about what is important to you. It could be something related to a red flag. You know, I know we talk a lot about red flags in, in relationships and we kind of try to bypass all of those, but all emotions have a purpose and there is information embedded in each and every single one of them.
1: hmm Wow. It sounds a lot like there's plenty of opportunities for self-abandonment in that process. hmm mm-hmm. And I know that um, in your own work, you have described an element of self-betrayal as a ruptured sense of self-trust. So not being able to really trust yourself and, and that intuition, but deciding against it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, and if you take that within a relational structure, right, so it's kind of getting that gut feeling that something is off or something just doesn't sit quite right with a story or something that happened or we feel that we are not being heard or being listened to or just not acknowledged. And then when we discard it and we kind of bypass what is happening, it is a, I don't trust what you are telling me, you know, this is us speaking to ourselves essentially and kind of saying, I don't trust what you're feeling. I don't trust that this inner wisdom or inner voice that is speaking is not valid. And so bit by bit, we start to lose this trust within ourselves. And I don't even know what we're left with. We're just shells of, you know, people that can't even trust upon ourselves and the things that we do. So we look to others to kind of make decisions for us. We look to others to tell us how to do life, what to do with it, where do I go? And we just, I don't know, I think it also comes to a point where we kind of forget that life is within our hands and within our choice and uh, it just gets messy. I, I could go down this rabbit hole of like how this could go so wrong.
1: <laughs> I know. And I was thinking about, you know, as you're speaking, I'm like self-betrayal, ouch, self-abandonment, ouch, lack of self-trust, ouch. It's almost like, you know, you, you're you talking about the rabbit hole and it's like you keep going and going mm-hmm. and going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yes, yeah. it really does. So here's my final question to you.
0: Okay, I'm ready.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a big one and an important one, very much to the context of everything we're talking about, especially generationally. But, you know, from your perspective, as a marriage and family therapist, looking at all these pieces, especially the self-betrayal piece, how does one break the cycle?
0: Mm, That's such a good one. I know that we like big Answers and big, this is how you fix it, and big solutions. But I think that with any cycle, it's just doing anything that is different than what you have already been doing. So it's kind of essentially fracking your behaviors and saying, this is, you know, step one, step two, step three, step four. This is what happens. This is what I do. This is what I have been doing all my life. And understanding that at any of these steps, you are able to change that and that you are able to do something differently. And at any of these steps, you could dis de I'm trying to think of the word essentially, mm. like, you know, kind of prevent the cycle from continuing at any, any point. And then you
1: start Decycle.
0: On, oh, decycle. I don't know if that's a word. I just, I just it just
1: came I out. love it. <laughs> I love it. Listen, a word doesn't have to be co-signed by Webster et al. You know, for us to identify it <laughs> as, as something that has utility. So we're going to decycle here. I de-cycle. love this.
0: Yes. I actually like the fact that you said that, you know, we can create our own words and we can create our own meaning to things, but yeah. It's essentially kind of looking at what you've done and acknowledging and understanding that at any point you can do something different. And if you can do it differently once, then you can do it again and again and again and again. And you just continue to de-cycle as we have just
1: (laughs) come up with this idea. (laughs) That's so good. That's so good. So grateful to you for that nugget of wisdom. I'm hoping that people that are listening can take that on and take on the task of just doing one small thing and then just adding to it because it's, you know, the aggregation of all of these small practices that will contribute to the larger goal of breaking the cycle. So thank you for reminding us of that.
0: Yes, of course, I'm going to go look up that word now. And if not, I'm going to go coin it.
1: <laughs> yes. Trademark. Hello. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It has been such a joy being in conversation with you as always, but you know, in the context of breaking cycles, I'm so deeply honored to have you on here. Thank you for being here with me and with us.
0: Oh, thank you so much. It was lovely.
1: I hope you enjoyed this conversation. What an interesting take on intergenerational modeling, huh? Now, if you'd like to leave us some feedback, please do so in the comment section or in the review section. I'd love to hear from you. And remember, whenever you're digesting any trauma-centered content, the nervous system registers it, and it can make you feel uneasy. So I would like to offer you a sound bath meditation to help ease your soul after listening to this episode. So if you're willing and able to participate, lower your gaze, snuggle into your seat, find whatever brings you comfort and safety. Take in a deep breath, and let's begin. Recite this mantra in your mind, I am well, I am here, I am grounded. Breathe in one final breath to release this practice and come back to your mind, your body, and your spirit. And when you're ready, open your eyes. Remember that no matter where you are in your healing journey, you have a choice here and today to break the cycle. Now, if you would like any coping tips delivered to your inbox, sign up to my newsletter and follow me on social at Bouquet. And if you're hoping to immerse yourself into a deeper learning about trauma, head over to drmarielbouquet.com slash courses. It has been such a pleasure to partake in this episode with you, with Maria. Take care of this beautiful soul of yours, and I'll see you at the next episode.